Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. How to live a big life. You know, uh, there's this great scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to read it to you from the Message Bible. Um, and verse 12, 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Watch this now. Your translation is probably going to be a little different than this, but I really believe that um, the message translation really pulls this out uh, in a really special way. And it says, um, well, verse 11 says, dear Corinthians, dear, dear Corinthians. So you need to know that it's a double deer. That's really good. When you get a double deer from God, that's a good thing. He says, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. Wow. You have God has a wide open, spacious life that he wants you to live. And he says, we didn't fence you in. Paul, Paul is talking to the Corinthian believers. He said, we didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel wow. comes from within you. Your lives aren't small. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can, he says, and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. What a passage of scripture in the word of God. He said, I, I love when he says the smallness you feel, man, does anybody feel that you feel inferior? Sometimes you feel like you're hemmed in from how you grew up. You're you're labeled a certain way. You're defined a certain way. It's like my whole life growing up, I was labeled uh, a certain way, you know, kind of dumb, kind of shy, kind of uh, socially awkward. Um, my life was labeled. I'll be, always be a, you know, a druggy drug dealer, whatever you want to call it. I'd always be that. I was like, if you put me if they had in, in the high school, if I would have shown up for the high school pictures when I, when I was in high school, they would have had me in the picture that said most likely to die before the age of 21 or something crazy like that, or most likely end up in jail. Who knows? I mean, that was where my life was headed. That's where I was going that and and that's that life, that limited life, that life of bondage that I was in, that life of addiction that I was in, that life of fear and anxiety and insecurity and and inferiority, all of those things that 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 I experienced, I really experienced these things. That wasn't that that was the like it says here, that smallness that I felt it didn't come from it, it wasn't because anybody was trying to make me feel that way. It came from within, even though the life God had for me wasn't small at all. It wasn't intended to be small, but what I how I saw myself inside. He said the smallest smallness you feel comes from within. Doesn't that tell, doesn't that remind you of, of of something in the Bible? Doesn't it remind you of the 12 spies that Moses sent out to spy out the land? Let's look there because it needs to remind us of that for a moment. Let's re, let's look there real quick in Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Now, remember, all of the old covenant, all of the things in the old covenant can truly only truly be understood when you put the lens 
of the new covenant on the the new covenant glasses, the new covenant lens makes the old covenant things to make sense. It makes the Old Testament really make sense. We don't really it doesn't make a lot of sense without Jesus. Jesus makes it make sense because he fulfills the law, becomes the curse so that we can experience all of the power, the blessing and all that Jesus died for, for us to have, starting with salvation. But but um, and all the promises of God are yes in Christ. So in him, that's where all the promises are. But Numbers chapter 13, verse. Remember, uh, so all the 10 spies came back and said, man, uh, we are not able. Verse 31, they come 12 of them go out and and 10 of them come back with a bad report. Two of them come back with a good report, Josh and Caleb, obviously. But the 10 spies said in verse 31, the men who had gone up with with Caleb said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak were there and we became now watch this and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. And obviously, so many of us have read this verse before and we know this is in here, but really get a hold of the fact that they only became grasshoppers in the enemy's sight because they were that in their own sight. God never told them, go check out the land and see if you can take it. He said, go check it out and see if it's good. He said, see if it's worth taking. God never, ever is going to ask you, go check it out and see if it's, you know, see if you could do it, see if you can accomplish this, see if you can overcome that. You can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. All things are possible for those who believe. Am I in the right place here today? So God doesn't God doesn't tell us to do something. God doesn't tell us to go look and check it out and see if you can take it. He already told him, go just check it out and see what the what the fruit is like. He didn't say, go see if you can beat these giants, go see what the giants look like. Just see what the fruit is like. The fruit was so big that the, the, the Bible says that they had to carry. It took two men to carry one cluster of grapes in the promised land. Wait now, listen to me. Have you have you guys been to the grocery store lately? It doesn't take you two fingers to carry a cluster of grapes. Nowadays, this cluster of grapes was so big, it took two men to carry one cluster of grapes. That's how abundant the land was. And God wasn't saying, go see how big the giants are. He said, go see how big the fruit is that I want to give you. And so when they saw everything, they they didn't focus on the fruit. They focused on the enemy, which is really a mistake, because the more you focus on anything, the bigger it gets in your eyes. You focus on that sickness. The doctor said you have, then it gets bigger. You focus on the problems in your family. It gets bigger. If you focus on that and you keep looking at that, it's like a magnifying glass. It looks bigger to you. It's not any bigger than it was before you were focusing on it, but it looks bigger. It feels bigger and it causes all the same emotions inside of you as if it was bigger. And now you have these manufactured emotions 
and you have these manufactured fears and you have these manufactured anxieties. And let me tell you something. All of a sudden you have these manufactured excuses. Mm. You should have. I know it's summer, but you should have worn your boots because I am stepping on somebody's toes here today. Let me tell you something, though. Let me tell you, we manufacture all this stuff because we we magnify. We magnify the enemy and we magnify the problem. And what does the Bible say? Magnify the Lord. Magnify him. And and when we're worshiping God, we're not like making God bigger. We're just focusing more on him and he feels bigger to us. And when you look into the Bible and study who you are in Christ, you're not becoming that all of a sudden just because you studied it, you're discovering that's who you are and you're focusing on who you really are on the inside. And then you become bigger in your own eyes, not not in a prideful way, but you lose that inferiority. They became we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. That's cause. And so we became like grasshoppers in their sight. That's effect. There's a cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. It wasn't all oh, these giants are so big and they, they look, they domineered, they dominated us and they intimidated us. No, they the people, the spies intimidated themselves first and the enemy will always see you the way you see you. OK, so if you see yourself broken down and defeated, and you see yourself as never being able to make it. That's how the devil, the devil will seize on your own image of yourself. Can I tell you something? When the Bible says you shall have no graven images, you know, uh, no idols. Uh, the Bible talks about that in, again in the old covenant, but you can only in- interpret the old covenant based on new covenant truth. And that is that uh, now in Christ, born again, people are made in the image of God. And we're j- we look just like Jesus on the inside. Now, uh, if I don't have to announce to you, we don't all look like that on the outside yet. Right. But on the inside, that's who you are and that's what you look like. And that's the image. When he says don't have any false images, when he says cast down imaginations, it's casting down inferior images of who you really are and pulling those down so that you see yourself the way you now are in Christ. That's truly spiritual warfare. And that you know what? That's what makes the devil like if you if you see yourself small and you start yelling at all the devils in Chicago, get out of here in Jesus name. They're going to jump on you because you see yourself so small like the sons of Sceva. But uh, when you realize how what you are on the inside and you just open up your mouth and walk into the room and the devil walks backward because you don't even have to like your presence, your presence, your mere presence is moves demons when you realize what you're carrying. You're carrying the spirit of God. You're carrying the image of God. You're carrying the power of God. You're carrying the grace of God. You're carrying the goodness of God. All of that is inside of you. And you start seeing yourself like that, boy, you are you are just dangerous to the devil. 
That's what I mean. Go back to that. Now go back to that verse in Second Corinthians six, verse 11 again. I just want you to see this again, because he says back in um, verse 11, Second Corinthians six. One more time, dear, dear Corinthians, dear, dear life changers, <laughs> dear, dear children of God, dear, dear born again Christian watching in Thailand or China or Nigeria or wherever you're watching London. Um, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide, open, spacious life. No one's fencing you. And you know what they call that? I, I got out of places like that, controlling places, controlling people, controlling preachers, try to control you, manipulate you, try to domineer you with fear and intimidate you with punishment theology uh, when there is no punishment in love because there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. Fear assumes you get afraid because you assume God will punish you for what you do. You know, God will never punish you again ever. He will discipline you to correct your thinking, but he will never punish you because he put all of his wrath on Jesus. Now, if you reject Jesus, then you're subject to the punishment that Jesus absorbed. If you were if you were to reject Jesus as your savior and never accept him, then you are subject to that punishment um, and that torment. But in Christ, Jesus absorbed is like a lightning rod, all of the punishment for our lives so that we don't have to live in fear that we'll be punished if we make a mistake. There's mercy at the throne of God's grace and there is grace at the throne of God's grace. And you know what? Every day I live. I need a little combination of both of those. Well, I need a big combination of both of those. I need some mercy every day and I need some grace every day. I need some mercy so that I don't get the judgment that I deserved for anything I did. And I need the grace to give me the ability to do what what I need to do in life and the ability and the strength and the, the power, the dunamis, the dynamite ability to do what um, what what God's asked me to do what God expects of me, what I expect of myself, what you expect of me, what you what I expect of you. It's the mercy and the grace. Hey, who needed some mercy today? Who did something that you're like, man, I blew it. Did you blow it today once in your thought life? How about twice? How about in your hand life, your feet life? How about in your action life? Not just your thought life. Whatever you did, there's mercy. Go boldly to the throne of God's grace and obtain that mercy. And what do you and, and what are you struggling with? What are you not strong enough to accomplish? Go to the throne of God's grace and receive grace to help in your time of need. There's plenty of mercy and there's it's like a fountain that never runs out. You ever been to one of those weddings where there's like a chocolate fountain? That's what I kind of look. That's what I kind of think of when I think of the throne, the, the, the mercy, the throne of grace. It's just a fountain of just love flowing and a fountain of mercy. And I need it and a fountain of grace and I need it. And the way God does things is God doesn't God doesn't require you to do something to then obtain 
what he provides. He provides it for free. And then that, like it says in Romans chapter two, verse four, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Repentance is good. But what what leads you to repentance is really what's important. And God's goodness is what leads us to real change. God's goodness is what God's mercy, God's grace is what really leads us into the change that we need in our lives. Because I tried for years to for fear to lead me and I just kept blowing it and it just kept getting worse in my life. But there is a wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I want to challenge everybody here, encourage everybody here, inspire everybody here. Let's give up living our lives in a small way. I mean, don't live a small don't live small in your in your in your vision for your life. Don't live small in your in your affection for people. Don't live small in in your business. If you have a business, don't live small in your relationships. Don't live small in your marriage. Don't live small with your kids. I'm not saying push them to be the the greatest gymnast in the world and push them to be the great ice skater and, you know, and, 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 and pressure them with all that. No, but inspire them that there is greatness inside of them rather than telling them that they have to perform in order to have your acceptance and your love. Shower your children with love, acceptance, with 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 affection and affirmation and then and awaken and 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 light that fire inside of them of the greatness and the and the largeness that's inside of them because it's inside of everybody. It just gets snuffed out by bad people, bad parenting, bad educational systems snuffs out the greatness inside of a kid. You know, by the way, on that topic, not every child learns the same way. So you parents don't pressure your children to have to learn the same way everybody else learns. Like if they don't get this or if they don't get that, like all the other kids get it. Like, why didn't they why didn't they figure out, you know, trigonometry by the time they were in third grade? Sorry, I graduated from college and still haven't figured out trigonometry. In geometry, I wrote all the theorems on a piece of bubble gum, a piece, actually a piece of Wrigley's uh, spearmint gum. I wrote all the theorems on this little piece of gum so that I could pass the test in geometry in 10th grade. I yes, I was a cheater, a liar, a thief. I was all of those things. So were you. Don't lie about yourself, you old sinner saved by grace. I had all the theorems like I I wrote them so small on the piece of gum that if the teacher ever came, I just chew the evidence. (laughs) And then he can't say I swallowed it because I just chew it. Hey, what do you got in your mouth? He's got notes on the theorems. No, it's gum. I'm just nervous that you would come by and, you know, I would feel pressure. And so but what happened here's what's funny about that story is that I, I had to write so small. To, to fit them all on that I did it so many times that by the time I went to the class, I knew it all by heart. I didn't even need the gum. <laughs> um, however, we got on that. We, 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 we can't like put so much pressure on ourselves and on our kids to conform to a certain way and to be something by something, you know, kids that don't read by look, the problem with kids that don't read is that nobody teaches them how. It's not oh they can't read. They may not be developed at, at, at five years old. Maybe they need to be six, seven or eight. 
or nine. But you just if you stick with them and parents need to learn to teach your children, whether the the school system does or not, you can teach your child how to read. You can teach your child things that the that they leave out in in school. Um, It just requires some effort on your part and some, you know, uh, maybe you got to go get your GED and figure it out. I don't know. But whatever, whatever you got to do, be easy. Don't don't not easy on them, like not expecting greatness from them, but easy on them by not expecting them to be like somebody else. Okay. Okay. And then and then awaken the greatness within them, because this is my goal here. And every Sunday and every time we come together, this is my spirit. This is my goal. I'm not here to condemn people's controversial lifestyles. I'm not here to condone people's controversial lifestyles. I'm here to cultivate people's worth inside, because then you when you understand your God given worth and value, then you will uh, awaken to the right choices to make that don't have to be conformed by what religion tells you. This is what the Christian life should look like. No, it should be awakened by your sense of value and worth not by somebody shoving it down your throat. My God, if churches could get this, our churches would be full of worship and joy and happy people and the happiest people on earth would be in churches and the world would come running to churches full of happy people that are not beaten up by religion because the number one enemy of the church is not really the devil. The devil's been defeated. You know what hasn't been defeated? Wrong thinking, bad thinking, bad theology. Our theology is humility and thankfulness. That's the theology that'll make you happy. And that's the theology that'll make you free. All right. So enough on that. So so we're living our lives in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. Look, this is how God feels about us. Look at the promises here. And I'm not even I want I need to get to another verse that I really wanted to get to. But I need you to see this. Look at look at this. First of all, if you go back to verse 11, let me just give you a list of things from this passage that will just transform your thinking about yourself. First of all, you're dear to God, you're beloved, you're dear to him. He has affection for you. Number one. Number two, God longs for you to experience a big life. It's his desire. Paul is simply conveying the spirit of God here. And he's saying how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. Okay, so number two is, man, this is God's desire. He wants this for you more than you want it for you. Thirdly, he says, we didn't fence you in. So God is not holding you back. God is not fencing you in. God is not limiting you. It's not. Oh, God, why aren't you doing this? See, that creates the victim mentality when you think somebody's fencing me in something. Somebody's fencing me in something. Somebody's confining me when really nobody is confining you except you because of how you think about you on the inside of you and a lot of you there, you know, because, you know, everybody who's married or single, divorced, uh, sleeping together, whoever you are out there, I am not condoning condoning that. But whoever is doing any of those, I got news for you. You're going to bed alone tonight, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're shacking up. (laughs) 
You're going to bed alone tonight because you know what? You're the only one inside of you. And when you close your eyes, it's you. Now, yeah, Jesus is with you. I'm, don't 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 be like, well, I thought the Lord was with me. I thought it was me and the Holy Ghost and the Father and the Son. And there are four of us. OK, <laughs> talking about human beings that breathe on this earth, people. It's you and you alone that you're going to bed with. Yes, there might be somebody next to you if you're married, but you are going to bed alone and you have to believe in you. And you have to believe in the bigness inside of you and the greatness inside of you. And so the next point here is nobody's fencing you in. And then he said the smallness you feel comes from within you. So we have to change the image we have of ourselves. We have to change the view, the picture that we have of ourselves. That's our responsibility. God gives us the picture. This is who we are in Christ. But we have to. We have to uh, meditate on this and we have to replace the the negative thinking about ourselves with the thinking that God has about us, because as a man thinks within, what does the Bible say? So is he. Proverbs 23, 7. And then the next thing he says is your lives aren't small. Say, yeah, mine is. No, what's small is the byproduct of how you think about yourself, but your life and the destiny and what God has for you is not small, but you're living your life in a small way. You're living your life in a small way. So we have to learn a different way. And then the next point here in this just in this passage alone, I'm speaking as plainly as I can. See, God is not he doesn't make it mysterious. It's really plain. It's really simple. And then he says, and it's with great affection. So he see how he just like a father and a mother should is we should sandwich our instruction with affection on both sides, affection, then some correction and then more affection. But here the thing really is, you see the sandwich there. He starts out with affection, then he explains, breaks it down and then he ends it with affection. But the point is that I want you to see here is even the correction that Paul is giving and that the Lord is giving to us through Paul, even the correction gang. It's not about our behavior. It's not about. Our external choices and mistakes, it's all about how we see ourselves. OK, so go over quickly with me to um, First Chronicles four. So we see a guy we won't have time to break this all down the way I'd like to. But we see a guy that starts out small. OK, and in First Chronicles, chapter four, we see the life of uh, a, a, a young man named Jabez. Right. First Chronicles four, verse nine. Now, watch what he says here about this man, Jabez, first Chronicles, chapter four, verse nine. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Now, this is the first mention of this guy. He doesn't even I don't think he's mentioned at all up until this verse. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. So now we have this guy out of nowhere 
that's honorable more than his brothers. And there's something really important that we need to understand about the fact that he has brothers and his mother named him. And I'll come back to that if I get a chance to. But his brother, his mother named him Jabez, saying, because I bore him with pain. So his name is literally pain. And that is the same word that is used in Psalm chapter. I believe it's Psalm chapter 78, where God says you you limited the Holy One of Israel. You limited the Holy One of Israel. Maybe somebody can reference that. What what that verse is? I I think it's Psalm 78 verse. um, What is it? 41, 78, 41. But again, again, they tempted the God. They they tempted God. And the King James says they limited the Holy One of Israel. But look at what it says in verse in the New American Standard Bible, it says, and they pained the Holy One of Israel. So the word pain is the same word as limited. They're interchangeable. Pain and limited are the same. So when when he, oh man, if we can get a hold of this, is that is that it's really they're 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 interchangeable and they feed each other. So look at it like this. Our, the pain that we've experienced in our life has the potential to limit us. And when we are limited, it brings us pain. It's like a it's like a vicious cycle when we when we have pain, how we deal with that pain will either limit us or will release us into something greater, how we deal with it, how we respond to the pain or and when we are limited by something, when we feel limited, when we feel fenced in by people's labels of us, when we feel fenced in by our mistakes, we feel fenced in by something we did like they, well, you know how we have the biggie sins in 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 church today in, in, in American church. You got the big sins, you know, the ones that disqualify everybody, which in that case, everybody should be disqualified, frankly, in my opinion. Thank God. God doesn't really measure the way the church does. But when you've done a big sin, I don't even want to mention them because you know what they are and you, you, you have them in your own mind. You might have them in your own life. But I got good news for you that they don't have to limit you if you respond to them God's way, which is through for you're forgiven and you renew your mind and you res- get God, let God restore your soul, fill the holes in your soul with the love of God and a sense of worth and value. You're not going to make those same mistakes. OK, so that's another topic for another day also. But we but the limitations when you feel limited by your mistakes, limited by your past, limited by the labels, limited by your pain, then it produces pain because there's nothing that's more painful than to feel like you you fallen so short of your potential and your capacity and what you're capable of and what God's put inside of you. And and the thing that motivates me every day is that there's something inside of me. I haven't tapped into it yet. I haven't figured it out yet. I haven't grown up yet. I'm like a little kid still. And I think when I grow up, it's going to be so awesome. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. I'm still because the Bible says you'll give young men visions and old men dreams. And so you get to my place in life and I'm somewhere in between young and old. I'm way leaning towards old. But let me tell you something. I'm dreaming dreams still because I'm thinking, man, I'm still. Wow. You know, there's something inside of me. And when you get that, oh, you know, you know, you never grow. You never you never grow old. 
until regrets take the place of dreams. That's when you grow old. That's when you grow old. And um, so regrets. I've had a few. I've had a share of bad kicks in my face. <laughs> all right. Somebody's got somebody needed to help me there because I, I need all the help I can get. Come on, Jesus culture. You can't come soon enough. My God. <laughs> um, you see how powerful this scripture is, the pain and the limitations. And when you're limited, you're going to have pain. And when you have pain, you're going to let it if you can let it limit you if you choose to. Um, we all have it. We've all had pain that has limited us. And so going back to Jabez, he um, he's called pain by his mother. His mother labels him. His mother limits him with her with her, the name she gives him because I bore him in pain. She gives him the name pain. So so class, you know, he goes to class and everybody's like hey, Jim class. Can you imagine Jim class? Hey, where's pain? Where's that pain in my butt, kid? Oh, can you imagine the teasing and the joking that he this kid could have got? His name's pain. Everybody knew the language that they were speaking. It's we we interpret it. But he was it was it was the word pain to them. That's his name. Jay. But hey, where's that pain in my that's what his mother would say all the time. So you can imagine how this kid had this complex and he felt small and he felt limited. Wow. Right. And he felt he felt like I, I'm confined to this definition about me. That is going to limit me the rest of my life. But you know what? I can do something about it. And it's and, and you know where he starts. It says in verse nine, Jabez was more honorable. And where does the Bible say honor comes from before honor comes humility? Well, boy, this is the first secret to living a big life is you have to have humility. What made him more honorable than his brothers was a couple things. First of all, humility made him more honorable. Like humility is I'm willing to embrace God's definition of me even though my mother gave me her definition of me, I'm I'm willing to accept I'm willing to accept a different view about myself than the one that I've grown up with all my life. That's being teachable. That's being humble. It's not oh lowly me. That's not humility. Oh, unworthy, lowly me. That's not humility. That's false humility. Humility is to be willing to let go of what you have believed, which is when it's contrary to what God thinks about you. Okay, and so then he says it says so this first thing he had was humility. And I'll tell you, the next verse really explains the next things that he had. So so then Jabez called on the God of Israel and he said, oh, that you would bless me indeed. I like I like how he prays. It sort of shows his heart. It's like passionate. It's not like, well, Lord, if it be thy will, it's like, oh, it's like the cry of his heart. Oh, God, bless me indeed. 
you know, you're entitled to the blessings of God in Christ. What gives us the right to ask God to bless us in to bless us crazy, to bless us wildly, to bless us astronomically, to bless us immeasurably, to bless us spirit, soul, body, brain, smart, intelligence, favor, to bless us indeed. What gives us the right is not what we've done or we've prayed enough or we've done enough. What gives us the right is that if we belong to Christ, then we are Abraham's seed and we are heirs to the blessing. And therefore, we have every right to ask boldly for God to bless us indeed. Yeah, it's already paid for. So you might as well go ahead and ask for it to show up in your life and don't limit blessing to money, but don't exclude money. It's not one or the other. Blessing is all aspects of life. It's 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 the empowerment to succeed. The curse, the word curse means the empowerment to fail. And the word bless means the empowerment to succeed. Man, we need that in our families. We need that in church. We need that in our evangelism. We need that to win souls, the empowerment to succeed. Bless me indeed, Lord, as I share my faith with this person. Bless me indeed as I'm driving in this taxi and I have an opportunity to talk to this guy who's going to take my money for that taxi ride. So I'm at least going to make him take the gospel. Right. Who's with me? Bless me indeed. You have every right to this through the blood of Jesus. Every right. It, it, it's not like God's like, well, if you, you know, I might do you a favor. It's like he paid for it on the cross. What bothers me in the church and in Christians and preachers is the idea that somehow the blessing of God is 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 some sort of selfish request when people can be selfish, but they're not selfish because they want God's blessing. They're selfish because they're selfish. (laughs) But what what honors God is not your vow to poverty and your vow to being without what honors God is that you recognize the value of what his blood accomplished. He didn't go through all of that to leave you the same. What honors Jesus, what honors God is that you look to the cross and say it is finished. He paid for your sins. He destroyed the cross, the curse. He took our disease. He bore our 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 anxieties and our pain and our sickness and and took uh, and the chastisement for our peace fell upon him so we could have peace. He took all that. He became poor so that we could become rich. That doesn't just mean financially. It means to have what you need to to do what God's created you to do. Man, you get a hold of that. 
My God, you start asking for the blessing without shame and without. And what's happening is the the devil and through religious people are trying to shame Christians. How dare you ask big? How dare you ask great? One guy wrote me on Instagram uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, how dare you? You don't have any theology behind your statement that God wants to do something big in people's life. I said, yeah, I do. It's Ephesians 3:20. And he said, well, that's out of context. And I said, well, you're out of context. And I got pretty upset. You know, I'm kind of since since I have a fellow pastor here, I confess my sins to a fellow priest. I didn't care. He's like, I'm a theology student. I said, you know what? The first lesson in being a student is humility. And that's what you lack. And I didn't care. I don't ever do that. But this guy just. Ugh. I felt if I did that all the time, it'd be like, uh, remember the movie Bruce Almighty, where he's like, uh, as soon as he becomes God, he thinks he, God makes him God. And he's like, all the prayers are coming in. He's, he's typing in answers. And finally, he just, you know, he pushes enter again. And it's like, OK, he's, after he just answered a million, there's three million more requests. So he just he just clicks in. Yes, to all of them. And pandemonium breaks out because everybody that prayed to win the lottery instead of winning, you know, three hundred million dollars, everybody wins 17 bucks. (laughs) It's pretty hilarious. (laughs) But um, (laughs) but he said he said, bless me indeed. And of course, he says also enlarge. He says four things. Bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from harm, that I that it may not bring me pain. And one translation says that I might not bring pain because you bring what you are in life. You bring what you are. You you can say to people what you know, but you impart what you are. And so when he prays these things, he's saying, look, God, I'm going to go big. I'm going to go bold. I'm going to ask you big. Bless me indeed. Secondly, I'm going to ask you to enlarge my territory And the way God enlarges. We're out of time here, but just I'll I'll close with this thought. Uh, The way that God enlarges our territory is I want to encourage you to enlarge your your understanding. Ask God to enlarge your understanding, because the way that you the way that you take more ground in your outward life is by taking more ground of your inward life. When you take more ground of your thought life, you end up because, again, as a man thinks within, so is he. So the more expansion you have and the more ground you take in your soul, the more territory you'll end up with in life. I mean, whether it's in business, whether it's in influence, whether it's in impact, I look at it like impact. I pray this prayer just about every day, not as a ritual, but just this is my passion. And, and my, the way that I pray it is, Lord, enlarge my impact, my impact. And that your hand would be with me. So it's really what you're praying this, what I pray this for and what Jabez wanted God's hand to be with him. Literally, we know God's hand is with us, but we need to be reminded of what his hand is. It's a hand of of help. It's a hand of strength. It's a hand of power. 
It's a hand of protection. I mean, think about his hand. God's hands protect. God's hands provide. God's hands empower. We lay hands on people to impart something to them. God's hand is imparting to us our authority to take more ground and take more souls and expand our lives and take more business and expand your business. You know why God wants to expand your business? You guys that are in business and you salespeople and everybody who's got a job, period. He wants to increase you so that you have more resources to be more of a blessing, to have more influence so that you can do more so that you can accomplish more. I want more. But purely listen, I don't need anything else in my life. I don't need a bigger house. I got rid of my bigger house and got a smaller house. I'm I'm bumping into the walls everywhere I turn, but I I'll eventually get used to walking like this in a straight jacket. My God, it's half the size. I don't need a nicer car. I got a nice car. I don't need nicer clothes. I got nice clothes. I don't even care as long as they fit. You know, I want impact and I want to have more so I can do more. I want to do more. I want to build more things. I want to see more missions done. I want to get more Bibles into people's hands. I want to see more people get baptized in the Holy Spirit around the world. I want to see more people healed and more people's lives changed and more people saved and more people born again. What does that take? Resources. It takes generous people. God enlarge. Bless me indeed. See, every one of us can pray this. Every one of us can can live bigger because we've just been seeing ourselves small and letting stuff limit us. And man, I'm out of time. But my God, we'll break this down more uh, uh, another time in more detail, because I got several mindsets that Jabez addressed in his own life to give him the breakthrough that he got. But I want to close with this. And God granted his request. And since God is no respecter of persons, if God granted his request in Christ, he is blood sworn to grant your request. You know what the only thing is missing? Big thinking, big praying, not long praying, big, wide open large thinking, big impact. The most selfish people are the people that I don't mean to criticize at all, but I'm saying when people say, oh, you Christians that want God to bless you, you're just selfish. You know what's selfish is not having God bless you and you only having enough for you. That is pretty selfish, in my opinion. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If this message has blessed you in any way, we'd love for you to share it with your family, your friends, or anyone that you think would enjoy these amazing teachings. And also make sure to subscribe if you haven't already so that you never miss an episode.